Good evening, everybody, and welcome. Radio. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to Kentucky Sports Unlimited uh, podcast, Big Blue Views. This is our inaugural episode. So, uh, if things uh, go smoothly, then rest assured that it was purely a stroke of luck, because I fully expect uh, some technical difficulties to arise. And uh, my name is Michelle Brown. I'm your co-host, my co-host, Mike McQuinn, uh, waiting for him to get online here. Uh, While we are talking tonight, if you have any questions for us, you can be sure to tweet me at ForeverBigBlue, or you can tweet Mike at McQuinn underscore Mike, that's M-C-Q-U-I-N-N underscore Mike. Or you can tweet to our Kentucky Sports Unlimited account, and that is at Kentucky Sports One. That's Kentucky spelled out, all of the sports and the number one. We're going to be talking, uh, uh, previewing our game tonight against the Hampton Pirates as well as discuss some of the uh, action in the first day of March Madness. And uh, let's see, I seem to have a an issue getting my co-host here. Let me see what I can do for him. I'm trying not, I'm, it's hard to type and to talk at the same time because I want to say what I'm typing and that's not good for you. Uh, it has been an exciting day for the first day of the tournament with several upsets, uh, most notably the, the Big 12, which we've all heard is uh, such a wonderful, strong, powerful conference. And uh, Notre Dame from the mighty ACC, they, uh, they had a tough time. They barely... Uh, squeaked out with a victory themselves. So I'm hoping that this day of upsets and close calls will be a a thing of the past by the time the Cats take the court tonight, which I have no doubts that uh, our Cats will come out focused and be more than ready to show everyone why they are the number one team in the nation and uh, why they're the favorite to win the whole shooting match here. And here we have another awkward pause while I still wait for my co-host to get in. He had trouble. He got disconnected. So we're doing our best to get him in here. Uh, If any of you would like to call in and talk to us tonight, that number is 646-716-4741. And I believe I might have Mike on the air now. (laughs) <laughs> I'm here. Had trouble getting in again. Well, I've been uh, boring our audience for about uh, three minutes here while I've talked in circles. Uh, okay. I, I think I've babbled enough. Uh, we can probably dive right on into uh, previewing the most important matchup of the night, at least the most important one as far as the Big Blue Nation is concerned, and that's the Cats versus the Hampton Pirates tonight. Uh, have you 
had a chance to do much much research about Hampton, or did you watch the playing game the other night? Have you got any impressions you'd like to share with us? Well, I don't think they're going to be much of a challenge at all, and I, I mean, they got a Tennessee transfer, Chavis. He's a pretty good player, but they're just way overmatched, and I think the spread's going to be beat real bad, and I think Kentucky by 50. <laughs> Oh, well, I, I'm I'm sorry that you feel so nervous about the outcome of the game. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I don't think they stand a chance. And, yeah, this team's ready to go. They're ready for another magical run. It's going to be a good one. Can't wait to see them get in there and start rolling. Well, I have to admit to not uh, doing my research very well. I did not check on the status of Chivas today. Uh, he He sprained his ankle twice, I believe, the other night. Yeah, he got hit in the head, sprained his ankle twice. Looked like he tweaked a knee. He seemed like a pretty tough kid. I'd say he'll be out there. Well, I always want to face every team that has their best because I never want there to be a little asterisk at the end of it that you only beat them because our best player was on the bench or this person was out. So I I want every team at full strength. I'm... I just I can't stand seeing any kid go down with injury. That that's just how I am. Yeah, I like to I like to get them at full strength too, but I don't think they could uh, could hang either way. But yeah, I hate to see a kid getting injured, any kid. But I'd say it's going to be a pretty much a over in the first twenty minutes of the game. I'd say they'll be up thirty at halftime. Well, do you? Uh... Have any uh, points that you think that we should be looking for with the cats? What what do you think we need to to see to feel really good about our team right out of the blocks? Well, the energy, you know, I want to see the energy there. Come out with the fire and hit the boards, and you know, just see them dialed in. I think they will be dialed in because this is it's a young team, but it's an experienced team, and they've made this run before and. I'm sure they're ready to finish it. You know, they got some unfinished business. That's why they all came back, and I think we're going to see them cut the nets down. Uh, so do you believe their story that they forgot the nets Sunday at the SEC tournament, or do you think that was an intentional omission to leave those nets hanging? I don't think they wanted the nets. I mean, not those nets. I think they were looking for a, a different set of nets in Indianapolis myself, but you know, Cal, he's always swinging, <laughs> swinging things. He, you never know. He he likes to play games with the media. It's pretty funny. Well, I certainly hope that there is at least one or two Louisville fans that are listening to us tonight because I want to clarify something. When they heard the story that uh, Kentucky did not cut down the nets after the SEC tournament. There were several U of L fans that had tweeted out, "Oh, how cute! Kentucky copied Louisville when Louisville didn't cut down the nets in 2013." Okay, card quote nation end quote, and we do put nation in a quote for you, card people, because you can't even fill up your own arena. But we're Kentucky fill did not cut the <laughs> <laughs> well. That's first time for everything. Um, 
Kentucky did not cut down the nets after winning the SEC tournament in 1998. So I guess Kentucky is really, really good. We were so psychic. We knew 15 years ahead of time that Louisville was going to luck into winning a conference tournament and not cut down their nets. So we copied them 15 years before they ever didn't do it. And if I'm not mistaken, we also didn't cut down the nets from the conference tournament in 2003, I'm thinking. No, we don't copy anything from Louisville. We'll give them our leftovers. That's how that's how we roll at UK. But, you know, we're going we're gonna to get into this tournament run here. I am I am stocked. I am ready for another magical run this year. I know we, we had a blast last year watching these cats, and they're, you know, this team is, is a lot better team than last year's team, I mean, from top to bottom. And even the players that were there last year are a lot better this year. Well, I, I see my friend Donnie, not Donnie, on Twitter. He uh, he's already commented that we're talking smack, so he he likes that. So <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, we like he, he lives smack. in a world surrounded by Bearcat fans. Bless his heart. So uh, <laughs> well, at least he wins most of the arguments, right? Well, that's true. There's there's not a lot of things uh, when it comes to basketball. There's not much of anything the state of Ohio can come back to us with. I mean, they are our big rivals. <laughs> They're a legend in their own mind, right? <laughs> <laughs> uh, that would be the their their highest achievement, I do believe. Is is uh, oh yes, uh, we have also gotten information from my buddy Kyle, who's told me that we didn't cut the nets in 1978 either. I, I, I neglected to mention that uh, Coach Hall would not allow them to cut the nets. Well, so that's a good thing because. Uh, I'm pretty sure they cut a different set of nets. Yeah, so anyway, once and for all, Louisville fans, if we did it five or six times before you, that is not copying you. (laughs) Uh, Quite the opposite, just so that we're clear on that. Uh, But as long as we're doing some smack talking, I think that uh, is a good segue right into some of the upsets that we saw earlier today. And uh, the Big Blue Nation will agree we have heard pretty much nonstop for the last two weeks. I mean, we've heard it most of the season, but the last two weeks it's been unbearable about how great and powerful the Big 12 Conference is. And that's why they keep devaluing everything that Kentucky's accomplished this year because we play in the quote-unquote weak SEC. And if we played in a big power conference like the Big 12 (laughs) – uh, you know, we would be much more battle-tested and ready for March, you know, and we're going to see how well they perform. So uh, there were three Big 12 teams, I, I believe, that were in action earlier today. That would be uh, Baylor with the number three seed, Iowa State with the number three seed, and Texas with an 11 seed. That wasn't an upset. But three Big 12 teams, and all three of them, uh, well, they're gone. Yeah, I should have known that the Big 12 was overhyped because, you know, we did play their best team supposedly earlier. But Iowa State just, that one kind of blew my mind. I should have known better. I had them going 
a long way in my bracket. They really busted my bracket. Um, they just, you know, they beat up on each other so much through the year, I guess they couldn't make it to the second round, or the third round, I guess you call it now. No, they went back to the, it's just the the first four games, it's the first four in or something, I forget what they call it, the first four, but the first round is now the first round again, so today is first round. And we've discussed Texas, I mean, I think anybody who knows basketball knows what's wrong with Texas, his name's Rick Barnes, I, I, that guy, he gets the talent, but he sure doesn't do anything with it. Well, that's kind of uh, uh, the vibe was on Twitter today. It was like, you know, if, if Rick Barnes, if Rick Barnes were coaching this team of Kentucky Wildcats, bet against Kentucky, he would find a way to lose the game. <laughs> I'm sure he would, but I didn't get to keep up with the game. I had the busiest day of my life today at work, and I was just getting updates from you, and I was I didn't really see what was going on on Twitter too much, but. Yeah, the Big 12 is overrated, that's for sure. Well, the interesting thing with the UAB uh, Iowa State game, yeah, that's right. I've got (laughs) there's so many teams. I'm 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 just sure that I'm going to get somebody listed wrong here because I have too many teams running around in my head. But uh, Iowa State just did not look good. From the beginning, I mean, they, they had a few little uh, glimpses here and there of, of the team that we saw win the Big 12 tournament and that we saw beat Kansas. And they, I don't know if it was a lack of energy or a lack of focus or or if it was just UAB that made them look terrible. But it, it was pretty clear from the beginning that, that uh, Iowa State was going to be in for the fight of their life. And in spite of all of that wonderful preparation in their uh, conference portion of the schedule, uh, they didn't seem to be too prepared for it. They were just beat up from that rough, rough and tough Big 12, I'd say. <laughs> That's what they'll say anyway. Did you see the call in the uh, SMU game? What did you think about that? Um. I thought that was questionable at best. Uh, I, I don't know that 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 shot ever had a chance to go in. I guess and by I the thought, rule, thought that was a generous correct. call. I guess they're saying by the rule it's correct, but I, I don't think so. I think it was a horrible call. Uh, that's just a shame. I, I don't think it's even correct by the rule. I, I guess maybe I didn't understand the rule. I thought that the ball had to have a reasonable chance of actually getting into the basket. Uh, yeah, I mean, he was just it, going up. It had no shot. It was way right. It wasn't even close. Well, and, and I feel horrible for the for the SMU kid that they got the call against him. I mean, he, he was just devastated in post-game interviews and you hate to see anybody go out on something that, especially that is that questionable at the end. That that's it's quite yeah, the thing with. with uh, now, uh, on the other hand, uh, the Baylor and Georgia State game. Uh, I think I was sending you updates as that one was going on. That it, you know, ba- uh, 
Baylor just couldn't seem to shake Georgia State in the first half, and they kept close and got out in the second half, and Baylor started being Baylor, and they were running and getting up and down the floor and making shot after shot, and Georgia State was kind of rocked back on their heels. And the next thing you know, Baylor's up 10 or 12 points, and you get down to under three minutes to go in the game, and Baylor kind of slowed things down. And then a funny thing happened. Uh, the uh, Georgia State team uh, rattled off 12 straight points. And all of a sudden, you've got a ball game, and it was uh, it was a two-point game. And I believe if they went down, um, Georgia State fouled Baylor, which was going to give them a chance to extend the lead. Well, they missed the free throws. Georgia State got the rebound. They come running down the court, and they had plenty of time. All they had to do was just drive to the lane, lay up, tie the game, and, you know, you play defense for three seconds, and you got a really good shot at overtime. But they didn't drive the lane. They stopped outside the three-point arc, and point guard passed the ball off to one player who looked lost and and really not happy to have the ball at all because he looked like it was a foreign object, and he threw it right back to to the guard. And by now, the, of course, the, the clock is winding down, the guard several feet behind the three-point circle, and he just heaved one up, and it was nothing but net. And, of course, the Georgia State coach who was sitting on his little scooter <laughs> where he ruptured his Achilles the other day, he, uh, uh, I, I was uh, opening a betting line during the game, you know, uh, what the odds would be of him rolling out onto the court on his scooter, but he didn't do that. He actually fell off of it into the floor. <laughs> <laughs> He's got too many of the first coach to get injured in a post game celebration. I I don't remember that. Yeah, <laughs> that. I'm not laughing because he tore his Achilles, but when I seen that on TV, I was like, "What? The coach gets hurt?" <laughs> well, that that could launch me into one of my tirades about uh, uh, on court storming but I, I won't go there because uh, that that'll that'll that's a whole other show by itself but uh you know that was just a regular celebration without all the fans running over them and everything i mean that's just him celebrating with his team and he tears his achilles so uh that was uh that was a classic march madness game and as soon as that shot went in i any basketball fan, any true basketball fan, had to be just ju- jumping out of their seat for them because that, that's the kind of thing. That's what March Madness is all about. As long as Kentucky is not the you know the favored team that gets beat. <laughs> yeah, the first the first uh, day of the tournament. I mean, outside the first four, the first real day of the tournament's always the best. I mean, no matter you know. I thought this was going to be a chalk chalk year, but. It doesn't matter. There's always some good upsets, and that's what makes this tournament the best tournament in sports, in my opinion. Well, I could not disagree with you on that at all. Uh, I think everything else pretty much went according to seed, I believe. This is what's so bad. I have too many things I'm trying to keep up with today. Are there any other games that caught your eye? No, I said I didn't really get to 
Pittsburgh, man. I got the, the last part of the Ohio State game there. They pulled it out. On the, on the move that uh, the Russell kid made, I don't know if anybody's seen that, but I'm sure a lot of people. I don't know if you've seen it, but that was that was something else. He missed a shot, but he left that kid standing. That was a move I hadn't seen a move like that for a while since uh, Cliff Hawkins and Reparina <laughs> on Louisville. <laughs> oh well. <laughs> hey, and then we can do some more trash talking. All right. <laughs> uh, did you see what Calhoun said today? I heard him this morning. He said, Kentucky has flaws. <laughs> and uh, but he didn't list any flaws. So if anybody's got any flaws, let me know because I'm kind of curious. I think the biggest flaw that uh, I, I knew about was that Calhoun was allowed to open his mouth. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I will say in the, in the last week that uh, – I never was a big fan of Jim Calhoun. I'll, I'll be real blunt about that. I could tolerate him, but I didn't like him that much. But I hated him, always week, Well, I've elevated to just enormous dislike of the man uh, since then. Uh, I think when he was on, uh, uh, who knows which show, There's there's been 111 million preview shows that have been on this week, but there to tell everybody why Kentucky's team was, well, they're clearly the best team in college this year, but by no means would they ever be considered a great team. And uh, went on to every way that he could to to lessen the accomplishments of this team, and, and that just really kind of, that gets on my last nerve. I mean, this this team argued what you will about the 96 team being better because they beat everybody by 22 points and they were, as everybody said, the team of professionals. Or talked about the 2012 team with, with Anthony Davis and, and how they uh, were dominating in their year. And even the the, uh, the John Wall team, they're, they're saying they were better than the 2015 team. But you know, I can handle some trash talk from former Wildcats. I mean, because you know that the spirit with which that's intended. You know, I, I think they'd love nothing better than to be able to play each other the way their teams were at that time. You know, the way the 96 team, if you could freeze them in time and put them on the court against the 2015 team, what do you think would happen? The 96 team or the 2012 mm-hmm. 96 team versus the 2015. Well, the 96 team was an awesome team. Don't get me wrong. But I don't think they could beat this team basically because of the size. I mean, the 96 team wasn't just like everybody else in the world. wasn't nearly as big. The 96 had a lot of individual talent. They had some good players. They were a good team. But uh, they get credit for blowing people away. Well, that's how Ricky coaches, you know. And that's why he lost two games, too, because he tried to keep – he wanted to win every game by 100, and you can't do that. As you notice, when Cal gets a big lead, he slows the game down, runs runs time. And, I, you know, I get aggravated with Cal Trey sometimes. I'm not going to lie over the way he slows the game down. But we're undefeated, so, you know, it's working, and that's why he slows the game down. So somebody don't make an old Miss type run the other night, and then – Ole Miss come out and laid an egg today. But, you know, if you keep running and 
keep trying to pour it on, then they're going to get hot. It could happen. They get hot, and they're going to storm back on you. But if you slow it down, you know, use the shot clock and uh, run good offense, they're not going to come back on you. But I think the two would win. The other point to that, uh, when you say slowing it down and and, uh, at least get something positive out of each uh, possession as you do slow it down, you can't ease up on the defense at the same time. You just can't. And that's what that separates this team as well. They allow 30, 33% field goal percentage, and the 96 team allowed, I think it was 41.9. And uh, defensively, there's never been another team, and I think they would. Uh, they had a lot of weapons on the 96 team, don't get me wrong, but I think, I think they could uh, slow them down a little bit defensively more than anybody you know, back in that day. Well, and there was a a show on True TV, one I've seen before, uh, but they replayed it tonight in between the sessions of games. And they were, uh, uh, part of that show was recapping the, the 96 team. And even the players say, you know, they got to the point when they got to the tournament, they were, they were feeling pretty cocky, you know. So, like, not, not just are we going to win, but, they they started feeling like nobody should even be able to score one basket against them, and you know they got to when they got the final four between the UMass and Syracuse games, uh, they had two big dog fights on their hands there. Yes, they did. Uh, and, and I'm not and I'm not saying that this team is not going to have some dog fights along the way because uh, we we certainly run into a few of those situations this year, but uh, I don't think that if we do get in a game like that, it won't happen because of cockiness. It might be lack of energy, but it would never be because of cockiness or or just a, a feeling of they've won because they got off the bus. Yeah, like you said, I, you know, the energy thing, we've seen problems with that some this year. Not much, but some. But I don't think we're going to see energy problems. I don't think we're going to see energy problems tonight because this is what they've been waiting on. They, you know, this is zero zero. Everybody's got the same record. This is what what the twins came back for. This is what Willie came back for. I think you're going to see a focus unlike you've seen all season. And I think I don't think we're going to have any energy problems the rest of the way out. And I think the defense will be uh, even better than it was in the regular season. And it's going to take a you know, like Ricky said, a Villanova-type effort, you know, a Villanova-type perfect game to beat them. And I don't see anybody in there, you know, it could happen. And a lot of people were, you know, rattling Notre Dame earlier, and they struggled today. But you take the three away from them, and they're done, and Kentucky is really good at taking the three away. Well, my friend Donnie did follow up his uh, his, uh, tweet about us trash-talking he said that uh, Cincinnati won two championships back-to-back in the 60s, and that's what they always point to. So uh, we, we can't say they never won anything. <laughs> but we can say they haven't won squat in this century. <laughs> well, we I don't remember that. I was born in 76, so <laughs> I don't well, remember I'm, that. Well, I'm going to plead the fifth on the question of age, but... Uh, I will say I do remember watching the 1978 championship game. That was the first season that I had to watch every ball game that I could. That that was 
that was my year of, you know, even though I've been listening to the Cats my my whole life up till then, the 78 season was the year that cemented the Wildcats as, as having the spot in my heart, my team. Yeah, that 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 thing that gets gives me chills and can make me laugh, can make me cry, can change my outlook on the day based on how they perform. And I've I've been told by some people I'm uh, I have mental issues because I can cry over a ball game. But <laughs> uh, as I'm sure my big blue nation brethren and sisters will agree, if you aren't able to cry at some point over these wildcats, you're not true blue. That's true. That's true right there. I'm not going to say anything about crying. <laughs> but I think uh, we won't take your we'll hand card. Don't worry. It's okay. We're <laughs> we're we're a good, open-minded uh, group here. As long as we got. And I want to remind you, our listeners. Well, it takes a second. Didn't mean to interrupt you, but I just did want to okay. remind our listeners if they would like to call in, we'd love to hear from you. That number is six four six seven one six. Four seven four one, and if you have any comments or questions, uh, if you don't want to be heard on our podcast, by all means, you can tweet those questions to me at Forever Big Blue, or you can ask your questions to Mike at McQuinn underscore Mike. That's M C Q U I N N underscore Mike. Spell Mike. There you go. So. <laughs> Oh, good. Somebody yeah, else has fond memories of the 78 oh. team, too. So I'm not the only old bag out here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Thank you, Lee, for uh, recognizing uh, for, that there was more than just me alive in the 78 game. I don't know why. I just don't remember much about it. <laughs> <laughs> so, you already told us what year you were born. I'm not even going to tell you what I was doing that year, so we'll just move on. <laughs> But homework was involved. I wasn't in college. I'm not that old. Let's we'll clarify that. <laughs> but I was old enough. To well, I've been impressed with Tyler Eubus here lately. How about you? I think he's been playing some ball. I I think Tyler has been playing some ball, and I think Andrew and Aaron have elevated their games to a level that I knew that they were going to do, and. I'm pretty sure you knew it as well. I think we we share the same opinion of the Harrisons. But yeah, I never did get all the, you know, pairing them against each other. The reason we're so great is because we have we have it all, you know. And, and some people were down on Tyler a little bit after being down on the Twins early, but I think that Cal was uh, watching his minutes because he's been struggling. You know, he's been beat up. He's kind of a little guy, and I don't care how tough you are when you're that little. And you get beat by those big guys all the time because we, we're not even going to get into the referee and have to get away with shoving him on every trip, seems like. But when you're that little, you're a minute, you know, he's watching his minutes. And I noticed in the SEC tournament, he started getting a lot more minutes. And that ball pressure that he puts on really helps, you know. And uh, the Twins play a much better defense off the ball, I think. And I really like it when he's got them all three in at the same time. With uh, Willie and Carl, I think that's one of our uh, – that's the money lineup, so to speak, you know, when the game's on the line. That was exactly the point I was going to make. When you've got a tight game and you absolutely positively have got to get some scoring and get a few stops, 
you put in that three-guard lineup, and then, like I said, Willie Colley and Carl, or if one or the other of them is in foul trouble, you pop Trey Lyles in that spot. Yes. And is. and that's the nice thing because with, with Carl and Willie and Trey, those three, any combination, any two of those three is just as effective, all in different ways, though. Yeah, I think we might see Carl's minutes cut a little bit in the first half because of all the foul trouble he's been in. You know, I think we might see him playing more in the second half and not as much in the first, you know, just to start the game. I don't know. I've even heard some people say they might start DeCorey, but I don't I don't see that happening. But I can see him, you know, when he gets one foul, go ahead and let him set for a little bit because you need him down the stretch of the game. He is He is a man. Well, I have been I have been very very happy to see Dakari and Marcus both uh, in SEC tournament that they really did uh, elevate their games and we saw in the NCAA tournament last year that those two guys can play. Now they seem to have struggled at times this year, but. Uh, Again, I, I think a lot of that is, you know, where Cal said he was working on individual skills for each player. That's what he did during Camp Cal. You know, you work on something you want to improve on. And I think any time you try to add a new skill, some of your old skills can suffer a little bit. And I think now it's all coming back together. It's it's kind of like they found out how to integrate what they've learned with what they already knew, and, and they're both coming out the better for it. Yeah, exactly. And if Marcus Lee comes in and he's slapping the floor and he's he's going after rebounds with two hands, you know, and giving that energy, that boost, then then that's that's when he's at his best. And I think he's finally starting to see that. And Dakar, he's a beast inside. He struggled a little bit this year. I think he struggled a little bit because he was learning to play, you know, a little smaller than he was last year. He's running the floor better, but. I think it's hurt him sometimes when the banging inside. Well, I see we uh, have a caller waiting on us. Let's uh, check in, see who we've got, and what they've got to say. Hello, caller. Who do we have on the line with us tonight? Hey, this is Big Cat Daddy. Is this thing good? (laughs) I'm sitting here with Cat in the Hat watching the games. And I think she knows things, and uh, this is Thing 2 I think I'm talking to. Yep, you're talking to Thing 2. There you Uh, go. For the listeners, (laughs) I have to explain to the (laughs) listeners. I have a Facebook Wildcat group, uh, and one of my friends in this group, a really lovely lady named April, she uh, goes by uh, the nickname Cat in the Hat, and there were two Michelles in the group. And both of us spelled our name with one L, and so she dubbed us Thing 1 and Thing 2. And I'm Thing 2, and Big Cat Daddy would be uh, the cat in the hat's husband. Yes, yes, ma'am. How you doing there tonight? There we go. We're doing great. I'm glad you tuned in. So uh, uh, what would you like to talk about tonight? Well, she wasn't able to come to the phone, but i kind of been getting hot. I've been watching Charles Barkley on her bracket show and he's picking the wildcats to win but he's picking the arizona wildcats and i noticed that 
every pick that he's made in the tournament, he's lost. So I'm hoping he continues true to form. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> he's always wrong. Don't worry about what Charles says. Yeah, Big Charles has got a big mouth and not much to back it with, I think. <laughs> <laughs> we see him cry on the floor. Yeah, I, I just want to give you a shout and let you know. <laughs> I just want to give you a shout and let you know that we were listening and she was thinking about you and she's got you tuned in. So uh, I'll get off here and listen to you talk and go big blue. Well, thanks for, thanks calling, for calling and you be sure to tell her I said hi. I'll tell the cat in the hat and I'll give her one for you here. <laughs> <laughs> okay, thank that, you. Go Big Blue. That's right. See you. Okay. I don't think Barkley picked against us every game last year, didn't he? Until the Final Four. <laughs> uh, I'm pretty sure that he did. Uh, and and that's okay. As they say, you know, haters going to hate, hate, hate. And as long as you're being hated, it means you're doing an awful lot of things right. And based on the hatred I've seen on social media in the last month, we're doing a whole lot of things right. <laughs> yeah, anybody that's a proclaimed expert that picks against Kentucky really don't know what they're talking about. That's just the way I see it. Yeah, I, and I appreciate what uh, a lot of these uh, analysts have had to do. You know, they they have a lot of airtime to fill, especially between – Selection Sunday and when the games start on Thursday, and there's only so many times that you can analyze the same matchups over and over and over. And some, somebody's got to find a new angle, and it's much like that with the Wildcats this year. Um, the beginning of the year, the talk was, you know, there was no way we could get through the non-conference portion of our schedule. Somebody was going to beat us. And so, of course, you know, we beat Kansas, then Texas. Uh, you know, had, had a little struggle with, with Buffalo, but, but putting them away. And we, we beat North Carolina. We beat Providence. And then the last true test, as everybody said, before we started conference play was Louisville. And, and of course, we L1C7. Um, not that I'd trash talk about the cards, uh, but we filled up Young Center and you all don't. Uh, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm not trash talking. Um, but after the after that, then then the whole tone changed to well, they ought to just have a cakewalk through the SEC because the SEC is so weak. Uh, and well, we both share the same feeling about that. The SEC gets a bad rap. I, I, it's I don't understand exactly. it. Perception is not always reality, and I do believe that it will show in this tournament. I mean, Ole Miss didn't play well today, but they really played the other night, and the Alabama just killed Illinois in the NIT. So I think the SEC is a whole lot better than people give it credit for, and I think they'll find that out in this tournament. And I hope, you know, that I'm always rooting for the SEC, so – Get in there and show them that this is not a weak conference, and it is definitely, without a doubt, better than the Big 12. Well, I'll agree with you 100% there. Um, of course, you know, after we, we had the two overtime games, then, you know, Kentucky had all these glaring weaknesses, 
you know, we struggled. And meanwhile, Duke lost at North Carolina State. And then uh, Louisville had a loss that week. Somebody, I think North Carolina lost all in the same week, first week of conference play. And all of those teams that lost, all the analysts said it was a blip. And that those teams would get better because they lost. And, and their loss was viewed as a greater accomplishment than us finding a way to pull out an overtime win. And I've often wondered that if we had lost one of those games, if they would have given us credit and just called it a blip, and that was us learning and, and getting better. Well, I've heard that about Kansas. They're so much better now. I guess they don't think we got any better. I guess because we don't have a coach is what it is, because he just rolls the balls out for the McDonald's All-Americans. Uh, well, yeah, but, but you know, now, Coach, too many consonants kind of bow vow, please, down in uh, <laughs> down in Blue Devil Land. Uh, he had as many McDonald's All-Americans on his team, but he did a masterful coaching job, except he couldn't even keep all his players on the team. And we won't even talk about the one he had to suspend because of uh, some uh, criminal charges being filed against him. But um, it, it just blows my mind. I suspect his recruiting will, will suffer from what he's done this year because if you look down there, there's three, there's two or three McDonald's All-Americans getting lost in the shuffle. And you know, Cal knew better than that. And that's why he came up with the platoon, and it's worked marvelous, marvelously. And, you know, guys don't want to go sit on the bench. I mean, they don't want to go get lost in the shuffle. They're going to play at Kentucky. They may not play 40 minutes, but they're going to play, and all of them are benefiting from it because you can bet there's six guys at least on this team that will be drafted this year. Oh, yeah, that, that that's the thing. That was another thing that got to me. When, when Duke was going down and, and it became apparent in that game that they were going to lose and there was no way out of it. And I heard the commentators on that. They started making excuses with five minutes to go in the game. Well, you know, this is what happens. Uh, you know, it's to be expected because Duke has such a thin bench. And I remember when they said that, that I literally fell off my couch and was laying in the floor laughing about that because we have the same number of McDonald's All-Americans on our team, and yet Cal has too many players to keep everybody happy, but somehow the same thing at Duke translates to a thin bench. (laughs) Yeah, they need to learn. Everybody needs to learn that Cal Perry knows what a player needs, you know, and he's he's fought with Carl and Carl all year, and they finally Carl finally figured out he was right. He knows how you need to play, and he's the best at bringing it out of you. Develops these kids better than any other coach. He gets no credit for the development, just the recruiting. But look at the pros he's produced and how good they are. We're talking MVPs, you know. Anthony Davis is having an MVP type year. Derrick Rose number one MVP. He's been injured here last couple of years, but he knows how to develop these kids, and he needs to get a little more credit for that because he is truly a great coach. Well, and what credit that Cal was given in the past was if you're an elite point guard, you need to play for, play for Cal. 
because uh, and, and he did have a, a, a nice little string several years there of having the best point guard to sign with his team. But he knows how to develop post men. He knows how to develop all kids. That's the thing. That's what he doesn't get the credit for. No matter what position you play, he knows what you need, and he'll push you to that point to where you need to be. And and that, in a nutshell, is exactly why, as, as Cal says, Kentucky is not for everybody. Not every player is willing to let go of of what they think they should be doing and what they think is best for them and to trust Cal, although I think this year – well, let me back up. I think last year in the NCAA tournament that that point was driven home, that if you really, if you just do what coach tells you to do and you play together as a team and, and, and just, just do what I'm telling you to do, it'll work. And and it did. I mean, it, it was almost, I think, had we won the the title last year, uh, aside from 1998, I think that would have been the sweetest victory ever. I mean, j- just because of, of how much adversity that team faced last year, how much uh, I, well, just negativity that they got from the fans, which I always uh, I'm embarrassed by at times how the Big Blue Nation can just shred players when they're not performing the way they think they should perform. Uh, but but the way they pulled it together and and got on the same page and did what Cal told them to do, that I, I believe that loss against UConn in the finals that is exactly has made this team be able to do what they were able to do this year. Yes, and I think that the, the Twins they have taken more criticism unjust than any two players aside from Saul Smith and Sean Sutton that I have ever seen at Kentucky, and it's ridiculous. They're stone-cold killers. They always come through in the clutch. You know, they they have their moments. They're let down. But, man, those kids work hard. They're in better shape this year. They're stronger. They're finishing plays. Carl's starting to finish. They're going, they're going to win this thing, and that last year's team was probably my favorite team of all time, and they didn't even win a title. Because they, like you said, they went through so much and were criticized so much. They they had every chance to just fold it up and go home, and they they fought through it. And man, was that a run! That's the most fun I've had as a UK fan. And bless Aaron Harrison's heart after that South Carolina game. For for those of us that that write any blogs anywhere. You know, I owe him uh, just a ton of thanks for giving us that buzz phrase that was the the jumping off point for several of my articles when he said, you know, we know what we can do, and it's going to be a great story. And they're still writing and that story. Exactly. There's a lot of people that say, well, you know, that, that story ended against the UConn game. No, that, that was a... That was just a new chapter. We had to turn the page because this story is still going on, and they're rewriting history. At least that's uh, what they're on on course to do right now, and I can't wait to see if they accomplish that. But we we do have another caller now, so I'm gonna bring okay. somebody. I'm gonna bring our caller on. 
Hello, caller. Who do we have? Hey, it's Kristen York. How are you guys? Good, hey, Kristen. How are you? Good. I told you you might hear my voice this evening. Uh, for those of you all that don't know, Kristen is one of our writers at Kentucky Sports Unlimited. Uh, if you haven't checked out our website, that's KentuckySportsUnlimited.com. And Kristen was the author of a piece. Uh, she uh, answered a letter that a Hampton alumni had uh, written to the University of Kentucky. Uh, it, it was a it was a very cute letter. It was uh, begging for mercy for the pirates tonight. And uh, Kristen wrote an article to answer his letter, and that was a beautiful piece, Kristen. I loved it. Oh, thank you so much. Well, I do have baby wildcat running around here, so if you do hear some some hollering, you know it's just him having a good time or needing attention. One. <laughs> That's okay as long as you're raising him right. I, I sure am, honey. He's wearing his Kentucky sweater right now. Go big uh, well, I do have some questions for you guys, just to kind of get your input. Uh, you know, you guys were talking about uh, Cal doing the platoon. And one thing I have to say about Cal is he was really confident and really brave for even trying to do it because it had never been done before. Can you imagine the confidence it takes to say, okay, I'm going to have 10 players, and I'm going to rotate them, and it's going to work. Exactly. He does a lot of things that's never been done before. He's a, he's a master at this. He, I mean, he, he gets them. He he gets the most out of the kids of any any player. He gets a hundred percent out of them, whatever they can do, and he usually knows what they need to do. And the way he figured out who needed to be in each platoon, I mean, that was just just masterful. Yeah, that's brilliant. And and another thing that I think that Cal gets shortchanged on, um, a lot of other coaches in Division One, they go out and recruit specific types of players to fit their style. And Cal, to me, has been the absolute master of changing his style to fit the players that come exactly. into Kentucky. That's a great point. He gets the best kids and then plays the way he needs to play to win. Well, I have another question. And, uh, of course, we have our rivals and, you know, God bless them and all that jazz. But did you see how empty that uh, it was down in North Carolina tonight? <laughs> oh, we had 8,000 show up. Yeah, 8,000 showed up for – or 8,000 plus showed up yesterday for Louisville, but – they're playing in a real NCAA tournament game, and it is like a ghost town. Like, like I said, their crowd uh, is is just a, a reflection of what their classrooms look like. <laughs> oh goodness! <laughs> <laughs> Lots of empty seats. <laughs> I was going to say, with some of the North Carolina fans that tweet me. I'd say they'd have a hard time finding their way down that far. <laughs> and yeah, we're bringing a little bit of a smack tonight. Absolutely. Maybe they need to bust them down there next time so they don't get lost. Uh, another thing I was going to ask you guys about is uh, that how big is this team has such a big heart. Uh, we saw the thing about Devin Booker earlier this week where he uh, – 
he he won a Kentucky jersey at a like playing like a fair game and then gave it to a kid that was in a wheelchair. Um, and then we've heard about Marcus Lee and him um, him really taking up with Kelly, uh, as the one that Nerlens took to the Derby. He's kind of what well, what Nerlens couldn't carry on because he's now you know. Uh, with the Sixers now, Marcus is picked up, and he's kind of taking Kelly under his wing. And then we've, this week, we've heard about William Blake. I mean, these these cats—they have a big heart. I agree. I think I, I've been hearing a lot of debates uh, about whether or not this team should be considered one of the greatest. And, and they compare it, you know, except to the 916, to the 2012 team, to, to the John Wall and DeMarcus Cousins and Eric Bledsoe team. And I think that people are selling it short when they're, they're looking, I think, at collections of individual talent and not as at the team as a whole. And this team as a whole, from the blue platoon to the white platoon to the human victory cigar platoon, Every player has conducted themselves with nothing but class all year. They have shown nothing but respect for their peers, for the media, for their opponents. And they have quietly gone about doing what Cal has taught them about being good servant leaders, meaning you become a leader when you serve others. And they have taken that to heart because Cal's not just developing NBA players, he is developing young men for successful futures, whatever those futures may be. And they're not. They're not just, they're, they're stars. They're going to be stars. Most of them's going to play in the NBA. And they're selfless. And it's just unbelievable how unselfish they are. And a team, you know, what makes a team is one unit working together. And I've never seen a team that work together any better than than this team does. They don't care about individual stats, individual awards. They work together as one unit, and they love each other. You can see it. Well, now, I I do recall, I have to point this out because I don't think I would be, uh, I don't think it would be fair if if I'm not objective. I did see one moment of selfishness displayed. uh, I, I don't remember if it was the Auburn or the Arkansas game. I think it was Auburn. But Carl was going up for a block, and Willie came up and blocked over him. So, you know, that was a little bit selfish when he stole that block. But I'm sure Carl was really upset. (laughs) But when that's your one example. I thought you were going to talk about the chin-up dunk, and I was just going to say Carlito made him do that. (laughs) Well, I want to ask you another thing. Sorry, go ahead, Michelle. Oh, well, no, I was just going to say the other thing that this team has done besides be classy and and, and just make me so proud to be a Wildcats fan is they have had fun while they've been doing it. Well, I'm going to ask you one more question, and I'm going to hop off the line and let you guys finish up your show. And that. The question is for both of you guys, and as me and Michelle, we've talked before. I am a, I am a younger Wildcat fan. I'm 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 only I'm 28 years old, but I've really only been following the team closely for five years. Now, my brother is UK alum, and he taught me to bleed blue from the time. Well, 
he's my idol, 12 years older than me. But anyway, I've loved the cat since I was five, but I've only truly followed the sports since, you know, probably for the last five years. So I don't know what it felt like in 96. But whenever I was watching that documentary you were talking about earlier, they were replaying on True TV. They were, um, actually, Judd, he was talking about the team. Some others were talking about the 96 team. And the way they talked about it, they were talking about how I feel about this team. Does 96, now, just, just the feeling, does 96 and 2015 feel the same? I know for me personally in 96, and like I said, my, my first year to really watch the Cats all year long and really get wrapped up in them was in the 78 season. And my father and grandfather had uh, kept me well-versed on Kentucky basketball history. So, you know, I heard about all these national championships, but I hadn't seen one. And so finally, you know, from 58 to 78, that was a nice long gap. And so in 78, I see my first one, and I'm like, all right, now you know, we're, now we're rolling. And then and then we didn't get another one until 96. And I remember at the beginning of the 96 season, you could see this team and, and the first couple of games, how dominant they were. And, yes, there was that feeling it was destiny. I, you know, to, to steal Ashley's word, I do remember feeling that way. And I also remember having this this. I was nervous all season long. I don't mind telling you, I, every game, I don't know that I sat down and watched very many of them, even when they were dominating, because I, I wanted so badly for that team to succeed because that was, that's got to be banner number six. You know, I, I just had to, and that was the feeling around this part of, of the state anyway. It had to happen. And and I think that that team had way, way, way more pressure on them than this group does. Mike might disagree with me. We'll see. No, I don't disagree with that because it had been so long, you know. And that, the excitement was the same. And I loved the team just as much. And I was a lot younger then. And I can remember going – I lived I lived a lot closer to Lexington then. I went to Lexington after they won and got in all the fun and – and carrying on, but yes. Oh, tell me you did not burn a couch. I didn't burn a couch, no. Okay, I don't think the couch you. burning had started then. Maybe it did, I don't know. <laughs> I didn't see any couches I'm pretty burning. sure it did. <laughs> I didn't see any couches burning where I was at, but there was a lot of things going on. Cars flipped over. Andre Riddick was running around there. <laughs> Well, thank you guys so much for taking my call, and uh, I love the show, and I'm so excited that it's starting up, and uh, you guys take care, and go Cats. Well, thanks for calling, and and keep the good stuff coming on the website. We love it. Uh Uh-huh, thanks. All right, bye-bye. Okay, I think that's an interesting point to raise, uh, especially... We've got a lot of fans in the Big Blue Nation now that really came along in the Calipari era. They 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 don't remember what it was like to go years and years without a championship or to go some years with just being totally irrelevant. I won't talk about which coach took us there because I do not say his name. Uh, but I, I call him the Lord Voldemort of... 
college basketball, except he doesn't have any magical powers. <laughs> Obviously. <laughs> and if you say his name, I'm cutting you off. So, anyway. <laughs> All right. We're going to need some score predictions from you tonight. I know you love to do that. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, you, you get a little bit more uh, generous with your scores. Let's see. First round, uh, late game, all kinds of hype building up. Playing in the Young Center, almost a home game. I'm going to say... 82 to 49. Oh, I think you got the 49 right, but I'm going 149. Okay, well, I thought, you know, Cal might put the victory cigar platoon in there for a while. You never know. (laughs) He might. I think they could score on this bus pretty easy. I I do, too. It's, It's... you kind of feel bad for them. You know, that's that's the thing. Uh, last week complete. when all the conference tournaments are being held and you see these teams that they're, they're one chance. And for some of them, you know, they're not even in the conference tournament finals but once every five, six, seven years. And when they actually win, you know, and that, that's a really big deal. And as a Kentucky fan, we kind of take it as our birthright we're going to be in the NCAA. And and you can't help but get excited for these smaller schools. And then when you see that you've got to beat one of them right out of the chute, you really feel bad for them, you know, because I'd love to be cheering for Hampton. But I can't. I know. <laughs> it's it's hard. Even even Jesus didn't want to tell him what was coming. I mean, I feel for him. <laughs> Bless his heart. I wonder if he knew he was talking on that phone backwards. <laughs> Well, you know, Jesus, he can hear you. It doesn't matter how you talk on He knew that. That's a very fair point. I'll I'll, I'll give you that one. Uh, We've still got a little time we can kill here. One thing I did, I I, I started on, and we got callers, and and that's great. And if we get more callers, uh, we would love that, 646-716-4741. We love to hear what everybody else thinks. Otherwise, you're just going to be subjected to hearing what we think. And while I know that, you know, we're right pretty much like all the time, other opinions are welcome. <laughs> and I say that tongue-in-cheek, right? yeah. but don't anybody sit there and say I'm, I'm on this show saying that I'm always right, even if I am. Uh, we we think too much alike. We need somebody with a different opinion. So we uh, well, that's that. true. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm, I'm sure at some point down the road we'll get somebody with a different opinion and uh, they'll tell us how wrong we are. That'll be a fun debate. Yes, it but will. As the course of the season has gone on, um, the thing that they've changed now since we've gotten out of the conference soon is no longer who can beat Kentucky. They've had entire segments dedicated to why Kentucky cannot win the tournament. Now, they can't point out a specific team that's going to beat us because that's failed miserably all year. But now they're they're coming up with, I don't know, I'm guessing that they smoke their breakfast and drink their lunch and then say, this is why Kentucky <laughs> won't win. And uh, one of, there's there's been two really absurd points made this week. One of them was, well, nobody's done it before, so they can't do it. 
That's a good point. But I don't know what they're going to say next year when somebody has already somebody's done it. But just because somebody hasn't done it doesn't mean it can't be done. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I think they're going to do it. I'm, I'm 99% sure they're going to do it. And the other one, and, and this one, this is the one that really made me laugh. And and you know me, I like to get a good uh, a good one line on him wherever I can. But one person said that Kentucky can't win because they have not been challenged by a top five team. They haven't been down in the final minutes with a close game against a top-five team, and they don't know how to react. My answer to that is, when we played Kansas, they were number four. When we played Louisville, they were number four. When we played Texas, they were number seven, I believe. When we played North Carolina, they had moved up to number seven. And the one thing all those teams have in common is that we thumped them. It is not our fault if a top five team can't keep up with us and make it close to test us. I think they, they see what they're up against and they they just give up. <laughs> they know they have no shot. I mean, we've had a few tests this year in the SEC, but it just tells me the SEC is stronger than people think. And we restructured the top ten. That's why we haven't played any of them. Oh, we have another caller. Maybe we've got a disagreeing opinion coming in. We'll keep our fingers <laughs> crossed. Hello, caller. Who do we have with us? Uh, this is Ed- Edward from California. How you doing, Edward? Well, hello. Hey, how you doing, all? Just, um, I don't have a disagreeing opinion. I just have to say that um, I don't think in the 40-some-odd years I've watched basketball I've seen such a dominant team. And it's just, you know, the only team that – really kind of comes close is probably the Vegas team, you know, recently, the 91 Vegas team, but this team has so much depth. I mean, like I said, the first team, second team could probably beat everybody in the country, but I just wanted to say that, you know, I'm proud of the way they played, the way they conduct themselves. They're great kids, class organization, and I just uh, look forward to seeing them march towards 40. I agree completely. I agree completely. And the Vegas team was and good. There's no doubt about that. And you got to love it when you get a call from California because this, hello, all you other sports teams that claim to have a nation, this is what a nation looks like. <laughs> the <laughs> nation is everywhere. Yeah, no, this, this fan started in 75 when I was conscious of college basketball. You know, he was right in the heart of the UCLA dynasty, but – I was able to see the team as a kid when they were played in San Diego at the uh, well, it wasn't the Final Four back then, but it was in '75 when they um, when they played in San Diego and the year the week they beat after it, they beat Indiana, and uh, I just saw them. Got fortunate to see them in a, at the hotel they stayed at in San Diego. I was visiting family, and I just got hooked, you know. And I love them and. You know, for um, I'm 50. I'll be 50 in about a month. But I love Kyle Macy. He was my favorite. Still is my favorite Cats player. I love him, and uh, I just hope to see the crew when I, you know, when I get to Indy. You know, I got. I'm so excited, and uh, thanks for calling. I appreciate it. Well, thank you for calling in, and uh, thanks for listening. And we hope you enjoy the show. 
And go okay. Big Blues. Well, that I think it takes your face. Well, yeah, that's uh, and and now I'm going to have a moment of being brain dead here, and and Kristen can uh, can correct me if I'm wrong. I believe that uh, she is in Tennessee. Are you in Tennessee, Kristen? You have to tweet me back and tell me. But I, that that's truly the 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 great thing about Kentucky. Anytime I go on vacation somewhere, I always, of course, you know, I, I can't go anywhere without at least uh, three or four Kentucky shirts, earrings, necklace, whatever. Everybody's going to know wherever I go that I'm a a University of Kentucky fan. And it never fails. Every state I have been to, I have always run into another U.K. fan. And I think the Big Blue Nation, uh, more... Yeah, more analysts are catching on to that. I mean, one of the ESPN reporters seemed to be shocked yesterday when she took pictures of the Yum Center of practice. Oh, yeah, I was right about Kristen. She's near Knoxville. See, I do remember things right. Thank you, Kristen, for verifying that I do pay attention late at night when we're chatting. Apparently, Uh, she's never seen the campouts for Big Blue Madness. (laughs) I mean, it it wasn't shocking to me at all. I don't know about you, but I figured it would be more full than what it was, to be honest with you. Yeah, I, th- I thought, you know, I, I believe actually, you know, somebody said 10,000, somebody said 8,000. I think the number was more like 9,400. But even so, that that's pretty Everybody significant. Was working. Yeah, it was a, it was a work, a work day. day. <laughs> it's not a work Besides day. Besides which, they had... Well, they also had all kinds of uh, flooding downtown in Louisville, and that made parking, uh, from what I understand yesterday, parking was a bit of an adventure, and traffic was not for the faint of heart. But Blue gets in because Blue always gets in, and, and we saw that in the SEC road games this year. That was another thing that just made me proud about our fan base. Alabama, you know, they announced, hey, we've got a sellout. It's our first sellout this year. And what did yep. we hear for the final 10 minutes of the game? Go, Go Big, Big Blue. Blue. Uh, well, the that's... same thing happened at Missouri, at South Carolina, at Mississippi State. They have a blizzard. One of the worst <laughs> winter things they have that come through, the people in the state can't get into the arena. But people from Blue Kentucky got there. That's why I say so you've got to love it. Back to the pressure thing. The, the, I don't think they feel the pressure. I really don't. You can tell by the way they play. They're poised. They're calm. They got you know they play they, they play together on defense. And I mean that's the key to this team too. The, the way they play together on defense. That's the best part of this team. But I don't think they're feeling near as much pressure as they felt last year for sure because the pressure was coming from. You know, home last year, and the BBN was on. You know, this I know, like you said, I hate sometimes the way our fans, some of our fans, I should say, come down on them when they're going through a little rough patch. But man, that was a heck of a ride, and we are truly blessed as big blue fans. I'm telling you, we are blessed to have such a great team and a great coach and a great history. I, I just couldn't imagine ever rooting for anybody else. 
I'm pretty sure I could not have said that any better than what you just did. It, it's the sense of pride I get when I see our players take the court, and I said, especially when you've got a team like this one that we have this year that is just – I mean, we, we've seen teams that have, have come together in tournament time and, and been unselfish like this and played as a cohesive unit. But to see one start in August in the Bahamas, and you have four incoming freshmen, four highly recruited incoming freshmen, I mean very talented players, and from day one they were committed to playing as a unit. And I know that I have never seen that from day one all the way through to tournament time with not one slip-up. It is not... Even in player interviews, I mean, you know, you can have Towns go off for 20 points, you know, have a double-double and eight blocks and just be a total game-changer, and he's the player of the game. And when you interview him, like, you know, well, uh, how are you able to do this, 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 and this? And the first thing out of his mouth every time is, well, the first thing I need to thank my teammates because they, they allowed me to be in a position to make the plays. They gave me the ball. And one thing they probably don't care about that we do, they all, every one of them, maybe all freshman team. And 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 I hesitate to say, because some things are almost becoming cliche, the be your brother's keeper, be the best version of you that you can be. Uh, Your brother's going to have your back. You, you You do what you do. And if, if it's not working for you that night, that you know you find other ways to contribute. That's not scoring. You know, you, you find other ways you can make this team better, even if you're not scoring. And, and like I said, we hear those phrases so much. We hear the players say it, but that's what Cal has been preaching. And and I heard somebody a couple of days ago, a friend of mine, that said, "Well, they're just uh, repeating what Cal has said." And I was like, "But they're not thinking about that. It's so ingrained. It's who they are." Exactly, and they, and when he said, you know, he gets some. It's hard to tell this year for probably the casual fan, but they're always peaking at tournament time, and they're peaking right now because when he says the best version of themselves, look at how Aaron has stepped up. Look at how Tyler has stepped up. Even Marcus Lee, Dakari, they're all becoming the best versions of themselves at the right time. I'm telling you, there's no stopping this team. Now, the, the one thing that we, and I, I know it's going to be towing on that line of your uh, favorite subject, I say tongue-in-cheek, Dakari has gotten a raw deal from the officials this year. Yeah, I've never seen one player get so many, I mean, be shoved in the back with two hands over and over, I mean, three or four times in one possession, never have a foul called, he runs down the court, and his fingernail grazes the shorts of another player, and that's a foul. <laughs> yeah, I think that comes from being as big as we are. I really believe that the officials just see they're so big, and they, I don't think they do it on purpose. But they, uh, it's not you know that's not going to hurt that big fella, you know. And it seems like they always tend to make bad calls for the bigger players. You know, because if you're big, you should be able to take it. But, you know, foul's a foul, just call it. And if say, well, if they call it close, Kentucky's going to be in trouble. That's total bull right there. If they call it close, 
It's going to be great. I mean, Carl Towns shoots 90. I think he's shooting 90% from the foul line since from the halfway through the SEC. Uh, I don't know what his yearly total is, but he's really been making free throws. Yeah, and, and that's another thing that I don't think people have given enough credit for is Willie and Dakari both. Last year, when I would see them go to the free throw line, Oh, I, no. I would literally cringe, you know, bless their hearts, yeah. love them to death. But I knew that the odds were. The car shot in the 30s or 40s last year, didn't he? The 30s or 40s. Uh, I believe it was like 38%, something around that. And he's shooting 61%. And his shot looks good. I mean, it looks pure. And I think he's going to get better. Well, and the thing about that, to keep in mind about his his percentage, we got to the line quite a few times early in the season, and it was brick, 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 brick. I remember tweeting about it. Uh, they even wrote an article. I, I called them uh, The Adventures of Dakari at the Free Throw Line. And then yeah, all of a sudden, well, we got him one of those tight games at the end. But I can't remember now if it was Ole Miss or A&M, but we had to have the free throws. It was, I'm pretty sure, in the overtime session, and they fouled Dakari. And I just had that sinking feeling in my stomach. I was like, you know, here it goes for you know. Oh, well. <laughs> and Dakari just steps up and drains both of them. And, and then at that point, that that was like kind of the turning point. And we go on and win the game. And since that time, so if you had, if you could discount what Dakari's free throw percentage was in November and December, I think he would be pushing probably around sixty-eight, sixty-nine about now instead of low sixties. Yes, exactly. And Willie's offense. And I was I was oh, harping on this probably a couple of weeks ago. I was like, we don't need Willie on, you know, to be trying to score. But his offense has really gotten better, and I'm I'm amazed at how much better it's gotten. And that goes back to the unselfishness. If you notice, Carl Towns kind of, you know, guy out of his way, let him do that. And it's just his offense is getting a lot better. His his stock's just rising and rising. I agree with that completely. Um, I think the other thing, everybody's just expecting Willie to dunk. Of course, we do like that because the dunks, uh, you know, they only count for two points no matter how much style you've got behind there, but they really do get the crowd involved. There is just something, especially that dunk in Florida when he took off at the Georgia state line (laughs) and and he he crossed the entire state of Florida and slammed it home. Um, what that did in terms of the whole team mindset, they get pumped up from that. And and the thing was, nobody's jealous because, well, look, you know, Willie did that. Well, I've got to go do something so they'll remember me as much as Willie. No, they're over there cheering for him and, hey, dude, do it again and again and again. And and I love that. Yes, they're always cheering for each other. It's a great thing to see the togetherness. It really is. <laughs> and uh, Willie, when Willie plays with energy – which I think we will see it every game in the tournament. We're unbeatable. We're just unbeatable for sure. That's another thing uh, that I I think in the Florida game, the the first round that we played in the SEC tournament, 
there was uh, more than a little rumbling about, oh, well, Willie's non-existent. Willie didn't show up. Willie's being lazy. Willie, blah, 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 blah. You know, folks, I got to tell you, John Calipari cannot, he, I don't know that he could dislike conference tournaments any more than than he than he does, but he he kind of went along with let's entertain the fans, and they did. I really think the four you know was was the players' mindset, and I, I think that's that's why they, you know, in spite of him not caring about the conference tournaments, I, I think that they weren't going to let that slip away. Willie had to sit on the bench from uh, I guess about five six minutes into the Louisville game in the tournament last year. And he had to watch on the sidelines while we beat Louisville and then beat Michigan and then beat Wisconsin. And I know it just – and my heart broke for him. It's the same thing with Alex this year. Alex is such an incredible player, and and his heart is breaking. He wants to be on that court so bad. And that's that's the one thing that keeps even a perfect season from being perfect this year is because Alex is having to sit on the sidelines. Totally agree. That kid brings energy every time. He might make a mistake, but he brings energy. And, you know, that's that's funny because when he first came to Kentucky, he had energy problems. He is, He's the spark now. When, he, when he's healthy, he's the spark. Now, I do think earlier, uh, if I'm not mistaken, I was maybe in – mid-January or so, uh, Willie was feeling a little pain in his ankle. And given the uh, scope of surgery that he had to have, I don't know how much hardware he's got in his uh, ankle now, but uh, quite a bit. And I can see being a little bit uh, hesitant to go at it 100% when he's feeling that pain and not knowing if he's injured it again. And, you know, knowing that, my goodness, here I am, I came back for this, and now I've hurt myself again. It turned out to be scar tissue, I believe, after they had him checked four or five times. And as he worked through that, you know, we saw the the old Willie slowly come back into play. And I I agree with you completely. I I think we're going to see uh, uh, Willie Colley-Stein 3.0 tonight. (laughs) Yes, he's going to be pumped up because he he had to leave early last year during his tournament during that tournament run, and he's he's going to be pumped up. And man, those guys they don't even know what's coming. He's going to block everything coming and going, and I am a car. Yeah, I mean it's it's going to be ugly. <laughs> must be well, some great games going on. I hear yeah, my kids uh, screaming in there. Well, we've got Purdue and Cincinnati right now. They are 37.5 seconds left. Purdue is leading by two, and they are on the free throw line. Both teams in the bonus, and Cincinnati has the possession arrow. Okay, Purdue is now up three. So do you have a preference on this game? Who would you like to play, assuming that we win our game tonight? Uh Probably Cincinnati if I had a preference, just because Purdue has a couple of big guys. I don't, I don't think it really matters, but if I had to choose, but I hate to hear all those Cincinnati 
people talking about our big rival too. So. Well, with a with a nod to my friend Donnie, Donnie, not Donnie, because uh, Donnie's not really Donnie's name, but we, but but that's another story for another day. But uh, in deference to him, I, I guess have to cheer on Purdue because the Cincinnati fans have just been. Uh, as a whole, in the last two days, they, they've just been thoroughly obnoxious. And I just can't say enough bad things about them. <laughs> Cincinnati, that's a team that has nothing to talk about, so they have to talk about us, right? They just have nothing uh, to talk about. That's the ugliest game. Watching a Cincinnati game, that is the ugliest basketball I have ever seen. Well, that and and any time you well you you got Purdue from Big Ten. Any kind of Big Ten game is you know we we've been subjected to those all year. They would get the seven o'clock game on Tuesday nights, and we had the nine o'clock game, and it was just painful. Well, first off, yeah, it was painful to have to wait till nine o'clock for our game, and then our game would be delayed because they would call 117 timeouts in the last 47 seconds, even though they were behind by 18 points. Bring on, but West I'm not I say everybody says they can beat us. Bring on Wisconsin. They think they think they got a chance because it was close last year, and I'm here to tell you, this is not last year's team. This team is so much better, and their team might be a little better. But we're twice as good this year. There's no doubt in my mind we're twice as good. They're they're almost the exact same team as last year. Yeah, I mean, they have individual probably, they've probably raised their talent level, you know, 2%. And we raised 50%. And and what was Frank the Tanks line in the NCAA tournament game last year was about seven points maybe? Yeah, it's probably going to be worse this year because he's going to get Willie. Yeah, because that, that was Dakari that shut him down, wasn't it? Yeah, it was Dakari. He's going to get the defensive player of the year and probably the defensive player of the two years had he not been hurt. Not to mention the one who should be the player of the year. Uh, yes, most definitely. Either Willie or Carl, either one of them, but Okafor or I'm Andrew, sorry. I would go. I, I would go as far as to say Andrew over Portis. I, I mean Portis. Well, I'm, I'm speaking nationally. The national player, oh, everybody, you know, handing it to Okafor. I'm sorry, but if you've got the national player of the year or one who is being considered that, you don't have that person sitting on your bench at the end of a game because they can't hit free throws. And did you know if Duke wins the tournament this year, which ain't going to happen, they will make history of being the worst defensive team to win the title in the last 20 years. Oh, my buddy Kyle, he he's he's taking care of me. It was six points and three boards for Kaminsky last year. So, uh, <laughs> That's a heck of yeah. a line right there. Bring yeah, and, and I mean, it's, Whatever. I'm not sure what talking heads started that whole narrative that, that Wisconsin had the big chance to beat us. But, you know, go on and live in your fantasy land if that makes you happy. They're trying and to find someone that can beat us. And, and there's no. not a team out there, not in that, not in 
college basketball. Now, we could go to the next level. We could probably find one or two. <laughs> but, you know, and I've told you this before. I, I call that team down in uh, uh, down in Durham, I call them Ook because there is no D to be found. <laughs> no, there's not. It's, that's that's the big problem with them. And that's been the problem with Duke for a while. Coach K's defense is just not very good. I mean, you know, I appreciate him uh, as we get into our final minute before the this, this uh, show ends. I just got my little reminder telling me that. But uh, Coach K did modify his recruiting. He said he had to go after these big players because everybody else was. But he sure doesn't know how to coach them. I think maybe he would be better served, uh, you know, retaining his old philosophy. I think they were more successful when he had his, his four-year players. I don't think he knows he how to develop players that fast. That's his problem. Yeah, and, and he's got strengths. He, he's a fine coach, but he is not the second coming of of our Lord. I'm I'm sorry, but you know the uh, there's some talking heads that would have you believe that. But anyway, like I said, we're getting ready to wind down, and uh, ten minutes before tip off, give or go, it's probably going to be closer to twenty minutes. Oh, this game just went into overtime. Oh, that's all we needed. Okay, well, anyhow, we've got a sign off. We'll be. We will see everybody uh, Saturday. Be watching Twitter for our showtime. And have a good night. Go Big Blue. Go Big Blue. Enjoy it, Michelle. Me too. Okay. And...